The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccino. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the MCU Review. I am one of the MCU Review crew, Elliot Serrano, joined this evening by the host and uh, proprietor of Caffeinated Comics, the podcast that, that the MCU Review is part of, John Clark. Good evening. I really thought you had like a tagline for that. You're like the podcast that cares about the little things or so that I was like, who, where's he going? And it was like, God, nah, not that clever. That's why I need a writer's room. You could come up with stuff on the fly. It's problem with doing shows on Monday nights. Yeah, pretty much. We are also joined by uh, the gentleman who helped inspire this show. He is my co-host on Shaken Not Heard, a James Bond fan cast where um, we follow the formula of Shaken Not Heard on this show. Dave Pino. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, do you have a gremlin on your on your lap? Uh, it's my cat. She's acting very needy right now for some reason, more uh, so than usual, which is saying a lot. So. Okay, so that was a, a true an animal. I don't. There was no you know double entendre or anything going on there. <laughs> yes, because. You know, I've gotten myself into trouble that way. We also have our resident mixologist who created a custom cocktail for tonight's show. Tom Jetner, how you doing, Tom? I'm good, guys. How you all doing tonight? Good. Good. Yeah. We're not going to ask John how he's doing. He's no. He's a, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to volunteer either. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much going on. A little uh, a long move. I'm in the middle of. Yeah, we had, a, boxes. we had a pre-show talk, and uh, yeah, stuff was happening on poor John's part. Um, and uh, tonight, joining us for Ant-Man and the Wasp, he was with us when we talked about the first Ant-Man movie. He is the owner of Mr. Wayne's Pop Culture Collectibles, Mike Kaplan. Mike, how you doing? You're, we can't hear you, my friend. I'm afraid we can't hear you just yet. You want to check your mic there? Maybe you're not muted or anything. No, you're, I can see you're not muted on my end. It's not my fault. Can everybody else? Can anybody else hear him? Is it not just no. me? No. All right. No. Well, we'll let Mike give Mike a chance to uh, figure out his uh, mic setting. Mike figured <laughs> out his mic. See, even when I'm, even when I'm accidentally clever, I'm not. <laughs> um, Mike's joining us today. We're going to be covering the sequel to Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp. This time, uh, featuring uh, uh, Evangeline Lilly in more of a partner role as opposed to a supporting role. We also uh, this past weekend saw the release of Ant Man: Quantum Mania, and um, I have not had a chance to see Quantum Mania as of yet. I don't know if anybody else on the panel has seen it. Anyone? Anyone? I have. No. No. Oh, John has. John's the only one so far. Um, you know, if you want to throw some comments on that, you can as we go along. Uh, 
Also want to welcome Susan and Lehman, our very loyal um, listeners and viewers here to the MCU Review. If you're watching us on Facebook or uh, uh, watching the live stream on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitch TV, thank you so much. Of course, feel free to uh, uh, chime in, share your thoughts. Uh, you know, uh, tell us what you think about what you thought about the movie, as well as the conversation we are having here. Mike, can I hear you now? Well, he has to say something. I know. I'm waiting for him. I, now he's frozen. I don't know if it's because he's dumbfounded or he's just not. He, I, I, folks, if you're listening to this podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, meaning you're listening to the audio version of this show as opposed to watching the live stream. And uh, none of this conversation that we're having right now makes sense to you. Uh, so we do encourage folks, if you want to watch us, you can not only catch the live stream as it airs, we have an archive of every show, the video on our Facebook page and on YouTube. And you can see all the funny little production things that go on as we stream. I'm going to give Mike one more chance. Buddy, can, I, can you hear us? Can we hear you? I don't know if he can even hear us anymore. No, I'm not sure he can hear us either. All right. He's going to he's gonna reboot and come back. All right, everyone. So while we're waiting to do that, let's uh, go into what we call uh, one of our, one of the things that we do uh, when we talk about a movie, uh, especially with the MCU review, what we want to do is if we can re-watch the film before we get into the conversation, Sometimes uh, with re-watching, it, we might have a different opinion of the movie than from when we originally saw it. One of the big parts about the MCU review is that we're going back to the beginning, the start of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, going through every movie from Iron Man on forward and re-watching these films and maybe resetting um, our opinions on them. So did we reset any opinions? I'm going to let you go... Uh, uh, Dave, uh, give us your two-minute MCU movie review for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, so I watched this one um, last last night, yesterday evening, and it was, so it's still pretty fresh in my head. I think this was maybe the second time I had seen it only. I saw it, uh, you know, opening night when it came in or opening weekend. And I remember liking it then, and I, I liked it now. And uh, much like... Um, uh, I don't remember if I, I think I might've actually been out for the episode where we discussed, you guys discussed the first Ant-Man movie, but uh, I I just think that these movies, and I haven't seen Quantumania yet, so maybe John can comment on this, but um, the Ant-Man movies by and large, I think kind of are, are carried on the the comedic chops and likability of, of Paul Rudd. And I think that's, it's evident in the first one. It's evident in this one. Um, and I like, you know, with a lot of the sequels, you know, the second entry after the, the first film tends to be the origin film for its respective character, whether it's the first Iron Man or uh, Winter Soldier, uh, you know, you've, you've gone past the whole origin story and sort of setting up the characters. So you can dive right into that universe and, um, you know, expand on it a little bit. And I think this movie does a good job of doing that. You know, at this point, we know who who Scott Lang is. We're familiar with the character and the supporting characters around him. So we can kind of jump right into the, this new story with while introducing a couple new characters like the villain, 
a um, couple of the villains in this film's uh, new characters to the MCU. Uh, it's just a fun movie. A lot of fun action, inventive action scenes. Uh, I think the Ant-Man movies have the, the benefit of really being able to get, come up with these really inventive action sequences when you can, you have such a, a small scale character who shrink down to such a tiny size with this enormous world around him. Um, and that's definitely evident in, in this movie as well as in the first one. So, uh, yeah, I have fun with this movie. I think I think it's a, it's a good one. John Clark. I am not finished. I was watching it and ran out of time. So uh, I, I literally had to pause it and then scan the last 20 minutes and went, oh, yeah, that's what happened. I've seen this a few times. Um, it's a it's a romp. And um, I don't know how I feel about that. I go back and forth because it's it's very light uh and it came right after infinity war when things were getting heavy heavy so it was kind of a palate cleanser but the stakes uh the stakes feel low even though they're like trying to find jonathan van dyne and trying to uh heal ghost and then um birch is trying to steal a lab there's a lot of plots there's just like it's it's like a big mac there's a lot of layers none of them are nutritious enough (laughs) uh and just to give a um just to give basically a pre-post about quantum mania um quantum mania is such a different movie than these two that that it's almost not like we can do spoilers for it It is much more of a marvel universe movie um much more of an introduction to kang um we don't see None of the supporting characters are in it. Like Bobby Cannavale is not in it. Michael Pena is not in it. Judy Greer is not in it. Um, so it's a very different feeling movie. Um, whether or not you go for that or not, we'll get to it when we get to that movie. But we can talk freely about Ant-Man and the Wasp without me going, well, actually, in the third one. <laughs> All right. And Mike is back. Hi, Mike. Can we hear you? Am I here? Can you hear me? Yeah! He's back from the quantum realm. There he is. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Great, great. Um, Well, when I was in this movie today, I was thinking that, like, the one thing about this movie is really the plot could have been anything as long as those characters were in it. This was more about, not that it was a huge character building movie, but I felt like this could have been a movie about literally any villain, anything, as long as we... He had Paul Rudd playing had the team together, and they're off on their, like uh, John said, like it's a romp. You know, it's just more about the fact that these particular characters are the ones portraying the events. There's a lot of, like, meat to the story, uh, but it is just so fun. And every, you know, every little quip and every book and... and it, it's it's got that typical school kind of, like, well, I know what you guys liked in the first one. So we're going to just do a lot more of that. Like, we're going to give Michael Pena just explaining the world to you. And we're going to give Scott Lang being, you know, cute and befuddled. Um, it's, uh, it, 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 bit of the movie, it really doesn't have a lot of weight to it. But I'm fine with that. Sometimes I just like seeing a movie. With the Here's, let's watching a movie. And I think this is probably one of the best examples in the MCU of that just you know we're still having some technical difficulties with mike sound but i think we got most of the gist of that um it sounded like he hated the movie (laughs) 
you know, it's like it, if you could read between the lines, you know, it was, you know, with every pause, there was probably got back, you know. All right. And then uh, let's uh, uh, go to Tom. Well, I would I probably would echo a lot of what uh, John and Dave and, and Mike were saying. And when I was doing on a rewatch, like I think I remember the first watch kind of falling asleep a little bit, like trying to figure it out. And then on the rewatch, having just a hard time with it, having a hard time kind of getting through, like trying to figure out like, well, what's who's who is actually the villain of the story? Da, 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 because it is kind of like it's very light and it's all kind of all over the place. And then I think just today I was thinking about it and. I had a moment of clarity where this isn't the second Ant-Man movie so much as it is the four episode Disney plus Ant-Man series that we didn't get. So this does kind of feel like a season of half hour TV of like a four or four episode arc of half hour TV. You can kind of break it up and do individuals because there are different parts of the movie where I was like, oh, is the movie over? Because it feels like this kind of resolved itself. And then I had checked the timestamp on it and we're only like 30 minutes into the movie or we're only one hour into the movie. It's like, okay, so they have their situation with Ghost kind of, they know what they need to do for that. This is where we take a break. And okay, now the bad guys from the, the bag exchange are back. What time does this happen at? So it really kind of feels like a season of TV. Like if you were to binge watch something like this on Disney plus, and it did kind of feel as much as it is kind of short and light. I almost kind of wish it was a season of TV. Cause I feel like if you had two more half hour, if you had two more half hour episodes to kind of round it out a little bit, that that might be a benefit to it, but the jokes are still funny. Uh, and the, 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 the bits are like the whole, uh, briefcase full of, uh, who, who wouldn't want a briefcase full of cars that you could just, of, of Hot Wheels cars that you could just enlarge and drive <laughs> at your immediate disposal. That's just like, it's like, you know, who didn't think of that as a kid, you know, <laughs> playing with Hot Wheels toys. So, um, still fun, but not really i think quite it doesn't hold together as a movie the way that the first ant-man did and way that other more if other mcu movies do which is not necessarily a mark against it once you kind of see it in that through that lens i i enjoy it a lot more kind of seeing it as oh it's, it's just one episode one season of tv strung together and i'll wrap up the two-minute review by saying first um, echoing everyone else there's uh yes this movie is pretty much carried by paul rudd i remember when i first saw it i was like wow they followed the iron man 2 formula which is essentially take everything everyone liked from the first movie double up on it and have your star pretty much carry it and that's what they did and also this movie holds a distinction of being one of the few if only film where performer Penn Gillette credits for there being actual magic being practiced in the film. The scene where uh, Scott Lang is doing close-up magic 
Pendulette rips movies like um, Now You See Me and all those other ones, ones where they're supposed to be magicians performing, and says that with Ant-Man and the Wasp, that is the one movie where actual magic is being practiced. So kudos to Paul Rudd for uh, getting that sort of recognition from Pendulette. Anyway, speaking of actual magic, can we talk about this drink that Tom Jetter, our resident mixologist, has created for Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yes, we can. Uh, let's see if I can get a better. This It really is better kind of backlit because you can see all there's on the uh, REVU Cocktails Instagram page. You can get a good image of it kind of backlit. Updated that today. Um, yeah, that's real good. That's that's good. Um, so there is a what's called a gin. Uh, I think the technical term is a gin sling. It's a gin based liquor with a bunch of herbs and sweeteners and things like that called Pims. So I knew that we were going to be doing the Ant Man movies. Um, I had to get a Pims drink in there somewhere. And the most classic version of this is is what's called a Pims cup, which is a very long drink with lemon lime soda or lemon soda or ginger ale or something like that. And I thought, well, if you shorten that into more of like a, a sour or a daiquiri, you'd get a Pim particle. So the question then was just trying to get the right blend of sweeteners and sours in there. I, I did a, a first test of this with a lime juice. It didn't work, but the lemon seemed to turn out very nicely. Uh, it's also sometimes, Pims is sometimes served with tonic water. This is where you get the Koki Americano. Uh, Dave and Elliot would remember that Koki Americano as the key ingredient in a Vesper martini, at least as interpreted today. And it has a bit of that kind of quinine flavor. Uh, there's mint going on in here, but it's all kind of shaken and strained into a coupe or Nick and Nora. Okay, I have. And it, kind of tasting notes today. Elliot, you've got yours, uh, but I'm getting, it's a very kind of tart and bracing. Yes, yes, very tart. And I will say, um, I did not have the lemon, the fresh lemon, as you prescribed. Although I remember our conversation, you said you initially tried it with lime juice and limes. I did have fresh limes, which I yeah. put in here. And I'm telling you, it worked. Worked for That's me. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. The only thing I did not have was the mint leaves, which uh, was the, you know, which, uh, you know, shame on me because you have made me a real fan of the mint leaf right now with um, my good dates uh, indie themed drink. So I'll definitely be getting more and uh, giving this another shot with the mint. There you go. Well, that's and again, one of my, yeah, yeah. No, I'll say, and again, if you're not watching the live stream, if you're only listening to the show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, you want to go to Review Cocktails on Instagram. That's R E V U Cocktails, where you will find the uh, uh, an image and the recipe for the Pim Particle. Um, all the drinks, uh, most all the drinks that we've had for the MCU review uh, can be found on the Instagram account. Again, R-E-V-U Cocktails. And I will stop that. I think, do we have Mike back? Yeah, I'm on my phone now. I think this is, you know, we're going to oh. go with 5G instead of Wi-Fi. There we go. <laughs> well, now you're coming in. You're coming there we in. go. Oh, good, 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 good. Excellent. 
So did people like the movie or what? I, <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> we weren't sure if you liked it because no, I, I, I definitely did. Uh, it was, it was just so much more fun, you know, than, than, than a lot of the other Marvel movies. That's what I liked about it. I like fun movies, like having a good time. Very good. Now, let's let's take a little bit of a deeper dive uh, as we're calling about this film, especially as uh, people. Let's say if folks are watching this uh, show, and uh, we, we talk about this from time to time, how do we want to introduce people to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, what are things about this movie that we might say make it a good intro? Like when we say, hey, if you're a fan of Paul Rudd, you're going to like this. Or, you know, if you're a fan of, of uh, Michael Pena, who, uh, yes, is missing from Quantumania, which is unfortunate. Uh, but, you know. What, what are some of the things about this film that you feel are, are make it a lot of fun and a good intro to others? Let's start with you, Mike. Well, I would, I would say that, um, you know, it's hard for me because we got the shop. We get so many people who are into, you know, this kind of stuff for so many different reasons. got introduced in so many different ways. But from a lot of people I talk to that aren't really into this stuff, they remember, you know, 89 Batman and things like that. Um, it's 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 hard to say that there's not you know that there's people out there who haven't really seen MCU movies, but just for the premise, um, I would say that this is a good example of how the Marvel movies are a little more bright, a little more sunny, having a little more fun with it. Um, you can have a story that doesn't necessarily mean like a city's going to be destroyed or like the end of the world, but you can still just um, put together good characters. Uh, good storytelling, and you know, I'm not probably going to say it a hundred times tonight, but just have a little fun with a movie. So that's what I would say. This is a good, good example of how like the MCU can be a little lighthearted with a little bit, you know, a little bit of weight to it, especially when you get into the bigger movies. Because if, if if I'm hearing any criticisms of Quantum Mania right now, it's that very thing. I'm hearing low stakes. It's a whole well, you 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 need to know these characters if you want to understand that. Like, eh, you know, right now we're. We're in phase five right now. If you're not the, if you don't know the characters by this point, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I mean, I can't, if, if I see Fast and Furious 8, you know, do, do they yeah. have an intro, little intro boxes to everybody in the beginning? Ah. Uh -huh. Yeah. How about you, Dave? Um, you know, if I think I'll echo a lot of what Mike said, this is a, this is a fun movie, I, the, much like uh, the first Ant-Man film. And I, I tend to agree. I, I, you know, I feel myself just in general, my attitude towards, you know, comic book, you know, big action blockbuster movies, not even specifically just Marvel or the MCU, but shifting towards like, you know, I want more fun movies that don't have to be so, you know, necessarily overwrought and melodramatic and, you know, on the verge of three hours long, which many of the most recent MCU films have. Um, it's kind of like going back to the, the discussion of, of the Batman films in, uh, you know, I know a lot of people really liked the, the latest one with, with Robert Pattinson. I enjoyed it as well, but I feel with the further we removed, we become from the, the initial release of that movie. And I look back on it and reevaluate it a little bit more. The reason, some of the reasons I, I tend to find myself not enjoying it as much are a lot of the reasons I find myself disliking some of the, the more recent um, MCU films. I mean, it's a little bit more extreme with Batman because, you know, I don't think we're ever going to have a, a MCU film quite as dark 
as the Batman, but just, you know, very long, very, very heavy, very melodramatic and not, not really fun. I mean, there's fun moments in it, but um, I think John's the one who said that this, this movie was a nice like palate cleanser after the, after infinity war. And I think that's a great way to put it because yeah, it's not this big three hour long Epic. You don't have incredibly high stakes. Um, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, this is still, you know, a comic book movie. It's still, it can, it could be lighthearted and fun and that doesn't make it any less worthy than say, you know, end game or, or, uh, no way home or some of the, the, the more epic films of the last couple of years. So yeah, I, it's, it's one of those movies where if you just want like a, a nice breezy two hour, uh, you know, if you take away the credits, it's, it's, it's under two hours, um, you know, little action movie, superhero film, uh, with lots of jokes and, 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 you know, physical comedy, uh, not bordering on parody or anything like that, but you know, you're not going to have a, uh, you know, intensely heavy movie. I think when you have a comedic actor like Paul Rudd at, at the center of things and it's, it's just really fun. And, and, uh, I, I like this one. I, I can't decide. I probably prefer the first one a little bit more, but, um, yeah, it's just a fun breezy movie. And I think, um, the MCU needs those movies like this every once in a while to kind of break up the really long, big epics that I think have sort of been defining the, the, the franchise the last few years. John, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't this movie get a bit of criticism too because of what it was following up uh, Infinity War? I mean, it was answering the question, where was Scott Lang during, you know, all the events of Infinity War? But just like you were wondering, well, where was Thor during Civil War? Right. Uh, but, but, that's, I, yeah. but that's only addressed in the post credits sequence. The, uh, the rest of the film, it doesn't really touch on the rest of the MCU. And I think that was probably the criticism to it was people were so amped up after Infinity War. And it was like so hard to wait that year between Infinity War and Endgame. And now that we're four years out, we conflate the two. And we forget that, you know, we, that this film and Captain Marvel come out in between. So I think people were so wanting to see the end of the Infinity War story that they were just like, oh, this this is in my way. But you're right. It is it is really light. It is really fun. Um, there, there's certainly nothing wrong with it. And also the revelations in this, we've come to just accept. It was a big deal that Evangeline Lilly was playing the Wasp in this movie. This is the her first appearance in costume. We got a post credit scene at the end of Ant-Man 1. But the Wasp is uh, was a very important character in the Avengers. Joss Whedon said his first draft of the Avengers was like the Wasp and her friends. And as Edgar Wright's Ant-Man kept getting pushed back, he had to keep rewriting it. When I was a kid, the, the Wasp was the leader of the Avengers. Like Captain America listened to the Wasp in, in when there was a problem. So it was a big deal that she was going to be in this and, and going to be a in action and it is there's a huge showcase and it was a major part of the trailer when um you know walton goggins character birch screws her over on the deal and and then she takes out all the henchmen that was all the trailer because people just really wanted to see the wasp and now we've seen her a few times and the same thing with jenna van dyne it was a big deal that michelle pfeiffer came in to play this part and it was a big build-up and and um, Quantumania, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer is a main character. So it can be very easy to look back and go, oh, yeah, it's just the same characters. But uh, 
it's the introduction. There was so much anticipation to see how these characters would be portrayed that I think that was the selling point of the movie at the time. Um, am I I'm wrong? Janet Van Dyne, the, the incarnation of Janet Van Dyne as the Wasp is the leader of the Avengers in the comics, right? Right. Well, because of the because of Scott Lang, because they made Michael Douglas Hank Pym, right. that throws everything off. Because in the comics, Hank Pym is as old as Captain America or Tony Stark, and uh, Janet is is the same age. And Scott Lang is a separate character, but because they went with making Michael Douglas an older mentor character, then they had to also age up Michelle Pfeiffer, which threw me that uh, in the first film that Evangeline Lily was Hope Van Dyne and not Janet. But, uh, but that's all sorted out. And that's one of the things I like about this. And you see it in Ant-Man is that it's the only MCU movie that hints that there was a silver age of the MCU. You know, we see Captain America in the forties, but like it's, it's clearly like 60s, 70s when when Ant-Man um, and Janet Van Dyne are in action. It's almost like kind of a James Bondish era type deal with them when they're like trying to, well, as we saw in the first movie, when they're trying to beat that missile. And um, yeah, that's an idea for a Disney Plus show, I'm sure. Um, if there's anything I've had to get, uh, speaking of James Bond, but if there's anything I've had to kind of reconcile is how different the MCU films are from the source material. And there again, there might be a lot of nerds out there who are going to complain about it, but I mean, let's be honest. If there's anything I've learned from shaken, not heard is that the bond that we know in the movies is close to is as far away from the book bond as you can get. I mean, he has become his own thing, you know, and there's so many people who only know James Bond from the movies they, they like if they if they read the original Ian Fleming novels. I'm not going to talk about like let's say the ones that come later from the the later authors that will be influenced by both the books and the films. Uh, but if you look at the original Ian Fleming books, you know it is really uh, it's it's very uh, it's very dry. Bond is really very monotone, very stoic. You know I don't know if he's so much a ladies' man. You know, but he's supposed to be really good looking, although Hoagie Carmichael, really? I don't think he's that good looking. <laughs> Whereas Scott Lang, uh, oh, that's right. Scott Lang, I'll be honest, not my favorite comic book character. I always resented Scott Lang for supplanting Hank Pym. And I also did not like him for the relationship he had with Jessica Jones in the Alias book. Uh, that great run in Alias when uh, 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 Brian Michael Bendis would introduce the Purple Man and show how creepy that character could be. So to me, that that bit there um, kind of taints my opinion of Scott Lang. Well, those, Although, Scott Lang in the comics led the Fantastic Four for like a year. Yeah, I know that's that that makes <laughs> that makes no sense to me. At that point, like anybody can lead the fan Herbie. Can lead the Fantastic Four, <laughs> you know. If Herbie can do it, I guess Scott Lang. <laughs> Again, but that's the comics. <laughs> you bring up a good point, Elliot, and that's something I want to ask Mike because uh, Mike, as a as a major Ant Man fan, and also as the owner of a toy store that has both MCU and comic as sharing one line but two very different tracks, how do you feel about it going so far away from the comics? Is it 
do you enjoy having like two different options or are you like, I, I really like the comics and I'll accept the, the movie versions of things. You got to remember that at my core, I'm a DC guy. So whenever you want to tell it, <laughs> whenever you want to this guy's mic now i'm gonna mute him you don't come on the mcu review and go i'm a dc guy let me explain myself <laughs> as a dc guy i am very used to the concept of elseworlds right you can take any character and if you're telling a good story it doesn't matter what happened yesterday it doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow as long as you're telling a decent story with it i don't care so if you can take so i, I can look at the mcu versus you know the comic world as just another take on the characters and there's nothing wrong with that you know people get so and this is what i was saying earlier too people get so wrapped up in canon and why this because this one guy did this 25 or 30 or 40 years ago that oh they can't change anything but characters need to evolve they need to meet a new audience um i have no problem with that as long as you don't do anything that's like egregious like so, and I know there's an MCU podcast, but just as an example, when I saw Black Adam, I was very upset that they were implying that he was a child when he got the powers, because that goes against the premise of that character. But I don't think there's anything in the MCU that makes me say, oh man, I can't believe they did this. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I would have loved at the end of Infinity War if uh, Hela's hand would have kind of crept up on Thanos' shoulders and he said something like, are you pleased? And that would have lined up a little bit more with the, the you know, Infinity Gauntlet, the comic. But, you know, they didn't do it. And it was fine. And, and I had a good time watching the movie. So what do I really care? That, that's the way I look at that. John, I know you really like Mike, but not only did he come on here and say he's a DC guy, but he also brought up Black Adam, which you and I agreed we were never going to talk about again. No, but I, I, I missed funny. the memo. Sorry, guys. I, I thought the funny, the funny thing was the problem he had was Black Adam was that part of it. Oh yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll do we'll do a, a DC podcast, and I'll lay all that stuff out for you guys. Oh my God. Uh, the there's a yeah. Uh, whenever nerds come to me, and co- I mean, to your point, Mike, you know, <laughs> talking about Cabby at Twitter, Mr. Wayne's PCC. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but, but to your point, it's like when people complain, oh, you did this with the character, you did that with the character. I'll go, okay, if you think they need to keep with everything that's ever been done, uh, Rainbow Batman, okay? Mm-hmm. You, you, Do you, you remember when me. the Punisher was an angel? Yes. Was it was Asian. drawn by Bernie Wrightson, and they yeah. swept that under the rug as quickly as they possibly could. Yeah. They did a lot of that. They did a lot of that stuff. So, again, it has to be pliable. I will say, I finally saw Wakanda Forever, and damn if I didn't love what they did with Namor. I was, I, I'll admit, I was a little bit uh, leery at first, but when I finally saw it, oh, man, perfect. They they did it perfectly. So yeah, as, I think as long as they have the, the essence, the spirit of the character when they're when they're doing that sort of thing, I'm cool with it. Right. That's an, I I agree with you about Namor. It was a Namor that fit what uh Black Panther. It fit it fit the contrast to Wakanda, but it's also a Namor that can live like with the Avengers or or even with Ant Man. It's not the Golden Age Submariner. It's not the Fantastic Four anti-hero, but that's not the that's not the ground floor that we're working from. Now I keep referencing "Shaken, Not Heard" here because for folks who are watching this show for the first time, uh, "Shaken, Not Heard" started when Dave Pinto 
our resident James Bond expert, agreed to do a podcast with me, or really a fan cast, because you can only see Shaken Not Heard on its Facebook page. It's not available on Radio Misfits like this show is. So if you go to facebook.com slash shaken not heard, you can watch every show that Dave and I did. To that point, though, is that Dave, being the expert, had to kind of educate me on Bond. And as we did each show, I learned more and more about James Bond and got a greater appreciation of it and thought, wow, let me have Dave on the MCU review where he gets to listen to me, the uber nerd, about Marvel <laughs> and pick up stuff from that. So, Dave, in the spirit of, of, of helping you develop as you go, were there any questions or uh, things that you were wondering about that that the rest of us can kind of fill you in on? Um, you mean for this movie specifically or just kind of the MCU as a whole up until this point? You know, I would say there you could go either way because um, as you as we've already discussed, we know that the MCU has by this point is its own thing. It draws from the comics, you know, yeah. just much like the Bond books. You know, the movies draw from the Bond books but become their own thing. The mm-hmm. MCU is very much doing that same thing. So I'm wondering if you you were curious about any parallels or anything that stood out for you. Um, I guess most I guess most specifically to this movie. I guess I, I one just, you know idea or one a question I had in my head was whether the the uh, the character of Ghost and then also Lawrence Fishburne's character are those more recent additions to the comics or do they go back a ways? Uh, the uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character Bill Foster was a '70s character and he was okay. part of the diversification of the '70s, like at a time when they created. Uh, characters like Luke Cage mm-hmm. and Spider Woman. Um, so he was the new giant man of the 70s, and he's kind of been around ever since. Ghost, interestingly, is an Iron Man villain in the 80s, and he was a corporate espionage spy that was a, first of all, male and had a suit of armor that could allow him to walk through things. So mm-hmm. um, I found it really interesting. I think this is. Maybe the furthest they've ever gone from the source material in designing a character. Uh, you know, uh, I think Ghost is a really interesting character in this movie, but there's virtually no connection between her and the comic version. You know, there was a line in the movie where um, I think Scott says, oh, you don't need the suit to walk through walls. And I thought that was a nice throwback to what she was based on. Hmm. Yeah, and I remember he died in like his second issue. I don't remember how they brought him back, but I remember he was through a wall and then somebody like ripped out a circuit in his suit and he died <laughs> halfway through the wall. Comic um, logic. Yeah. <laughs> well, the guy made a suit that walks through a wall. Number one. <laughs> someone, someone if I had here. a suit that could walk through a wall, there'd be a couch in the basement like they're supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> Room. <laughs> uh, that, that reference, folks, is uh, is to John's current uh, issues with uh, moving furniture from one place to another, which I feel, buddy. Uh, that or wait, Star Trek transporters. I need that. Yes. Wait, am I wrong? Was it? Wait, uh, was it uh, Giant Man also referred to as Black Goliath at one point? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And then right. I think they dropped it to Goliath when they realized putting black in front of everybody's name didn't necessarily make them more diverse. <laughs> yeah, Harvey Birdman did that bit in like 1999, I think, or something like that. So, well, that that's back when Marvel comics were woke. Remember the woke period of Marvel Comics? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's even worse than that. That was it was all a blatant attempt to grab black exploitation. It was like, you know what, Shaft's making a lot of money. Let's make a black Goliath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, that's what Luke Cage is. Luke well, yeah, I know that's what Luke Cage is. I remember I've seen you know the early Luke Cage stuff of he just he just looks like he's leapt off of like he's. Uh, like he's being played by um like he's dolomite he's dolomite yeah he's being played by dolomite so uh, the great my favorite luke cage moment this was uh mike drucker who was on our thor show it was his favorite comic moment of all time there is a panel and it's since gone viral of dr doom facing luke cage and he's like you're that black man that's causing all that trouble and luke cage responds to him where my money, honey? <laughs> I don't know what the story is. I don't know what the context is, but apparently Dr. Doom owes Luke Cage money. <laughs> and he's come to go. It's like, you're right, it's Dolomite. You got 24 hours, Doom, and 12 of them is already gone. <laughs> and he's got like Rihanna playing in the background. <laughs> I'll tell you, that, that costume, though, uh, it... It still works for me. It certainly worked. The Luke, the classic Luke Cage costume works better for me than the classic Iron Fist costume, where yeah, he's well, wearing capri pants like and ballet slippers. Yeah, just a shirt. It's just been a yellow shirt and black pants. But that it's fluffy. One, it's a it's a puffy shirt. It's a puffy shirt. Way. Yeah, that original one is so seventies. The boot should have had a Wawa built in. <laughs> <laughs> just anywhere he walked, would go. <laughs> What was the ghost costume like in the 70s then? It, like, because this is a really specific design. It had yeah, the helmet. 80s. It had the hood. He kind of looked like uh, like he was in Cobra. Oh. Because it was yeah. all white, but he kind of had, had like puppy sleeves and he had like uh, a chest plate with all the circuits, which is why it was so easy to kill him. And then he had a hood and a mask with goggles. Okay. You almost look like um, Willem Dafoe in No Way Home. Yeah, yeah, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to. Part of my my thing with this movie is trying to figure out whether they wanted to make Ghost the the villain or the anti-hero or something, because it seems like the movie is trying to kind of have it both ways. And and I, I kind of, honestly, I don't think Ghost is that strong of a villain. You know what I mean? Like it's she's trying. I mean, she's selfish. She's trying to help herself and everything. She's just trying to get out of pain, which is sympathetic and everything. But, you know, at no point do I feel like, oh, my God, if Ant-Man doesn't show up, the whole world is in danger. You know, Ghost is a henchman, henchman level. Yeah. Like worked for a big yeah. bad, yeah. but not, yeah. not big bad level. They don't have, but I feel like about every, all, of, nope. all the antagonists in this movie because, you know, Lawrence Fishburne and Ghost and Walton Goggins all actors I really like, but they're it. Like you said at the beginning of the podcast, Elliot, it's the Iron Man two version. And the thing that always bothered me about Iron Man two is that it has a henchman and a comic relief and no masterminds in the center. Right. Right. And I feel like with this one, they try to make everybody at least a little sympathetic. So no one is threatening in this movie, even like when uh, Bill Forster like ties up, um, you know, the three of them, 
we're not scared of him. We just want to know what he wants. Well, I think that's why they had to add the FBI side of it, too, because that gives you something where there's that adds tension like three or four times in the movie. It's like, oh, no, the FBI are going to the house or you know what I'm saying? Because without the major villain making, you know, putting their backs against the wall, I, I think you needed the FBI to kind of be like, uh oh, there's a timer on this or there's just some sort of um, gravity to the situation. Yeah, it's the ticking clock. It's yeah. like yeah. it's got constantly like, oh, I got to be back before, you know, Randall Park shows up at my house. Yeah. And it's like, and but who doesn't, who, it's like, you it's, know, it's everybody awesome. likes Randall Park. You can't make yeah. Randall Park a, ne- a, a, a menace. <laughs> I want and Randall Park like, to come to my oh, house. Oh, no, Randall Park's going to show up to my house and kick <laughs> out about close up magic. Like, yeah, right. He's going to ask if I want to go get some food, get right. some dinner. Stop threatening me with a good time, Marvel movie. <laughs> You know, I gotta I gotta point this out too. The with with his character, the evolution from the moment of how did you do it, and then he asks about the the close up magic, and then in the scene when his office where he's trying the close up magic in um uh and he can't do it, and he's like, why don't you knock? And then by the end, Wandavision when he shows up, he's got the business card, and he goes, and he's got it. Uh, it's just it, it shows that his time with Scott Lang meant a lot to him. <laughs> There's a, I believe there are some, if you go on YouTube or they have it on the Disney plus there, there's some, those last lines, there are some improv improvisation going on between the two of them. Like if you want to have oh, dinner. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, are you asking me out? Well, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, it is. It's really, it's really very cute. And yes, it's a, it's a great character. Speaking, I was going to say, speaking of the gravity of the situation, which was three, four beats ago. So I'm pulling that back. After seeing this movie, I wanted to make the in-house roller coaster, the cardboard roller coaster. What they did, I was like, "Oh my god!" I wish I had a second floor so I could do that sort of thing. That was the most prophetic part of the movie for me. Is that uh, it opens? Now this is in 2018, but it opens with Scott Lang in house arrest for two years, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" In a year and a half, we're all building cardboard roller coasters. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to uh, throw on the screen real quick here, Dave, our, uh, our our Marvel noob, though, came up with this. Uh, looky, looky. It's how ghosts looked in the comics mm-hmm. uh, To for those who are watching the live stream. Uh, and I, I do believe uh, was also created in part by Bob Layton, which is why Bob Layton you will see him at the red carpet premiere of Quantum Mania uh, because there are so many characters in the Ant Man mythos that he was involved in creating as part of his run on Iron Man, of all things. So, John, the whole uh, aside from the obviously the, the gender swap thing, but the whole a sort of tragic backstory that was all totally created for this movie with yeah, her. Yeah, the original ghost was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought I thought his costume was so cool because I was a 13 year old. It was 1985, and he, as, as you said, he looks like Moon Knight from Wish.com. <laughs> but he looked like he looked like the fifth Dreadnought to me. 
Oh man, we got to drag, got to drag poor Moon Knight into this. We haven't gotten to the shows yet. <laughs> no, it's, oh, and, that's, and that's that the, reminds the wish, it's it's counterfeit. It's counterfeit Moon Knight. That's yeah, what it is. It's counterfeit Moon Knight. It's, just, it's like back in the day when they had the movie and they'd make a TV show of the movie. That's who you got in the TV show. <laughs> yeah, that was the what was it? Delta House. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> You know, it's weird. I the actually Robert saw... Starman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's in both cases. I saw the television shows before I ever saw the movies, which is something, which is a shame. Uh, that explains a lot about my childhood. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know, Mike, you're there, and I'm not sure what state your moving is in right now, John. Are we going to do have a... to. I'll have to go to another room because I do know where the Marvel Legends for Ant-Man and the Wasp are. Okay. Um, well, there's not a lot of them. We got we basically got a new Ant-Man and a new Wasp, and then Ghost and Luis were in a two-pack later. Mm-hmm. Um, With the building and Anthony. Yes. The most interesting thing about it was it's at the time when they're starting to do 3D scans, and the Paul Rudd head – is smirking to a point where he went on Conan O'Brien and said, look what an asshole my toy is. <laughs> <laughs> so I will turn off my camera and see if I can find that while you guys continue. Yeah, those are those are great figures. Um, the head sculpts were amazing. The Evangeline Lilly head sculpt is just great. I actually have been working on a, uh, I want to get a Kate custom from Lost done because that head sculpt is so much better than the McFarlane version that actually did for Lost. So, but the problem is she's smiling, and Kate never smiled and lost. No, Kate did not did not smile and lost. And I, no. I, I tell you though, I will say, I had such a crush on Evangeline Lilly after Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, although she's doing everything she can to spoil that crush, I'm telling you, her social media presence, a lot of stuff that she does. Ugh. Yeah. Oh no, I really I try, don't know. I try not to pay attention, you know. Yeah. No, which is probably the best thing to do. So, Mike, uh, uh, what do you have any? You don't have any Ant Man toys there on hand, do you? Oh, I don't think I have any in the shop, actually. Um, uh, he's a pretty popular character. <laughs> uh, the the wasp, uh, the wasp figure, the ghost figure, they they move a little bit, but um, any kind of Paul Rudd thing, you know, any any of that version of Ant Man, that goes like right away. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, I don't. You know, I'm trying to think of maybe a Funko Pop or something, but unfortunately, not. Has there been has there been a release for Quantum Mania? Not yet. No, they haven't done anything yet. They haven't given any kind of uh, uh you know, actually, honestly, John, um, believe it or not, John's always like, you know, he informs me of a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't believe. I know there's none out yet. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of curious what they want to do with it because with Marvel Legends, you're going to be talking about build of figures and, um, you know, maybe two waves for for a movie as big as Quantum Mania. So. Um, while John's getting that, is there anything on the uh, on the horizon for Guardians of the Galaxy, which is going to be the next thing coming up? Oh, you, the, I did any... not find asshole uh, Paul Rudd, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I did. Give find me a chance. The, Hold on a sec. I did find the Evangeline Lily, which is a really good likeness. Um, and then I found the Luis, which also comes with the with the building. But that's about all we got other than the Ant-Man and the new suit. However, since Mike owns a toy store and is in there, there's a very good chance that he'll turn up the other figures. There's also he says, very, he, he, says he doesn't have a lot because he's selling really well. He says he, he, he's not sure. 
Um, so, yeah, can you show the, the the wasp again? Sure. So people can get a good look at it. Yeah, the, the likenesses are getting really, really good. We mentioned this in the last few movies. And, of course, uh, she does have a switchable head with the helmet. But uh, it's really the likeness that's that's the drive. So there are only four figures out of this set. Which is the same. And, in fact, for Quantumania, we're not getting that many. We're getting... Uh, no. I, I, I was just saying, I think they'll do a second wave down the road. Like they did with, um, you know, they've done that with a couple movies. Yeah, they have. I think, but in this set, uh, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we're getting, we're getting like Ant Man, Kang, and uh, Cassie as the build a figure. That's what I didn't know. I didn't know who the build a figure was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think at this point they should. I mean, they'll probably do like an exclusive two pack with Hank and Hope. Uh, I would imagine. Um, you know, the, the new, you know, the new uh, costume. For Evangeline Lily, that would probably be a figure they're going to want to do as well. And the hair, you know, they're going to want to do her, her pixie right. haircut, the, you know, the, the hair. traditional wasp. Yeah, now she looks like your crazy aunt. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does look it, it does look right to the comic, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, and but she, she, really she looks, looks like my crazy aunt, so. <laughs> but she definitely has, like, the aunt that only eats organic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying... John, while you were away, uh, that's kind of like how she's behaving on social media right now, too. Like, eventually, really a weirdo. Mm -hmm. She's always been. I remember when she did The Hobbit, she went, or it might have even been lost. She went on Conan and only talked about how much she likes earlobes. (laughs) She's odd. All right. Yeah, it works for me. I wonder if Paul Rudd always goes on Conan and shows that one same clip from Magazine. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Longest running gag in Hollywood. (laughs) <laughs> and that, and, so uh, yeah, Mac and Me became the uh, one of the first Netflix mystery science theaters. If you want to see the entire movie and you can't watch the entire movie, <laughs> the, the mystery science theater uh, Netflix season will get you through that really that's, well. That's good to know. <laughs> uh, could you talk about like you? There are like toys in the movie used as kind of props in the movie that, that's, you know, that's something that that is that's so, so the ant-man movies is that the action kind of is they're able to do fun things with the action that mm-hmm. are different from most of the mcu because they've kind of tweaked the powers with the little the little discs that enlarge or shrink items depending on how it's set well the first one had a lot of stuff like thomas the tank engine and the stuff in cassie's room like that was a huge scene uh this one the thing that really stood out to me as a toy guy was the the end credits um they have all the the figurines and the miniatures and i swear the uh the one that's the the big paul or the big ant man on the truck you know pushing it like a skateboard that looks exactly like the build a figure uh ant man just it looks like it's been molded in over the joints which we've had to do for people turning action figures into statues you know so i looked at that and i just oh it was it was driving me crazy i want to know is that the build a figure or the, the deluxe one they did a couple years later but yeah, a lot of a lot of toys. I mean that that whole the whole miniature thing and the, the sets and whoever did those is just brilliant. The splashing, the glass that's kind of shooting out. It, it's they're done really well. Look like um when people do model train sets, you know those kinds of things when they get really into the detail. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of an Ant Man model train set. Which again, going back to the first movie, yeah, maybe, maybe that is what they were thinking. I just want to know that when 
the building returns to its regular size? Is there a giant handle and giant wheels <laughs> down in the foundation? Yeah. Because they, they show it. Yeah, well, you know, those handles telescope. Yeah. My so question when is when people are picking it up and running around, what happens to the toilets? And the furniture and everything inside at the very end of the movie, he pulls the house out of the little box, puts it up. I just thought, so if he's been, if that's been in his pocket or his bag, every chair is broken. Every, you know, all the pots and pans are out of the, every drawer is turned upside down. It's like, that's got to be a wreck. Why would you do that? Unless you literally nail everything down. I, I, I don't know. That's why uh, when Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about these films, he just takes it apart as if he needs to, because they still haven't explained to me how can Ant-Man shrink that small and still not weigh as much as he would, you know. Well, that's something that drives me crazy, and I didn't want to bring it up because I'm an adult. But (laughs) (laughs) sometimes sometimes he has the same weight when he's small. Because in the comics, they would say he would punch. He has a regular punch, even though he's that big. But then in the movies, like in the first movie, even like he has a tank on a keychain. It's like if that weighed the same that it already did, that's going right through your pants. Well, the the supposed science is that what what the pin particles actually do is 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 change the distance between molecules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, so it should be the same weight. So it should be the same weight because you have the same number of protons and neutrons and in, in, in So you that. couldn't carry that Hot Wheels thing. It would waste No, it would it would lay, it would literally go through your hand if you ever yeah. tried to pick it up because it would be yeah. so heavy coming down on such a small point. You know, you have something the size of a tank in like 3 centimeters, three centimeters by 2 centimeters that it would be like a bullet. It would oh, yeah. be a bullet. Because even though the volume decreases, the weight and the mass does not. Mm-hmm. So right. it's like it's almost like a dwarf star. It's like you know all coming together. It's like collapsing in on itself, and it gains mass. And add to that, it should probably like have its own gravitational pull too. So yeah, not like- to not to get all science nerdy and yeah. and busting that out. But Neil deGrasse Tyson does talk about that and kind of spoils it everything. That's why they had to have Paul Rudd to do this, because otherwise, it you just your your eyes would start to bleed if you thought about it for too much. But then, yeah. you know, you see a you see a three foot tall Paul Rudd running around, and you just go, "Oh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly." And that and that's the whole key sequence when the when the uh, the suit starts malfunctioning, which is really fun, and he and he transforms into a seven year old. <laughs> You know, that's that's kind of cool, too, because that's a trope that I don't always get behind is the idea of the superhero somehow having to lose his powers every time. Like, I think that kind of counteracts the point of a superhero. Um, but they handled it really well in this because, like, just sometimes oh, oh, I'm big and I can't get small. And, you know, I, I, I thought they handled it um, doing it with comedy kind of points it out and makes it not as uh, not a big of a deal to me. Uh, and then they'll, that joke will come back in uh, Endgame when they turn Paul Rudd into a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> By the way, is mentioned in Quantum. Yes, I was about to say. See Quantumania, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh and uh, it's it's a tie-in, but in Quantumania, um, it's already been revealed in the trailer that he Scott Lang has written his autobiography, Look Out for the Little Guy. It's an actual book. Mm-hmm. It's also teased in Wakanda Forever on the the CNN clip. It says across the bottom, Scott Lang has released his book today, something to that effect. 
Yeah, what I want to know is, does Paul Rudd read the audiobook? Because I will buy that. I think I think that they have a clip circulating online that Paul Rudd does read. He's he's there's a clip in from the movie of him in the car listening mm-hmm. to himself reading his own audiobook. Yes. But that's like one of us like listening to the podcast like a couple of days after. <laughs> well, that that's me. I was gonna say I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> I I listen to it just just to check the audio quality to make sure and also to make sure that um, none of us said anything overly offensive that I missed. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dave, you've gone really quiet there. I think just he's listening. He's just listening. traumatized by the original ghost. <laughs> We're disappointed at that. Uh, how unfaithful to the comics this movie was. <laughs> it's shaken me to my core. Normally, normally Dave has finished his drink by this point in the podcast, so he's yeah. he's, he's he's doing this one uh, clean, c- sober. clean and sober. So yeah, that you know of. <laughs> that I know of. I, I don't know if that's vodka you had in that glass or if it's. I was I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to be nice to Dave and say that it's gin, not vodka. Actually, if you add a couple letters to gin, you close. I'm drinking ginger beer. Oh, that is. I, I, I almost drink. freaked out a little bit right before going into the show. I my stomach started to hurt really bad. So actually, um, Elliot, I made a cocktail yesterday that was recommended to me by Dr. P which required some ginger beer. So I had bought this big bottle of ginger beer from Vinny's and I had a bunch left over and that has seemed to uh, settle things down a little bit. So I'm feeling fine now, but no alcohol in my system at the moment. And that is not my fault because I (laughs) got the drinks and I delivered them to one Dave Pinto that was sitting there at the office for you. In fact, you were tasked with getting them to John would be downtown hopefully to get them but i yeah i was downtown last week but i was not able to leave my desk at all yeah. and uh this week i am uh, uh arguing with movers so <laughs> it'll be waiting for you no worries it'll be waiting for you trying to get my bookcase back <laughs> all right uh so hey uh i think for the most part uh we we've enjoyed uh ant-man and the wasp just much like we're going to tell folks uh, they should enjoy Quantum Mania. It seems to me like they've pretty much followed through in the same spirit of the Ant Man books. Uh, hey, have a little fun. No, I, I would just say it's a good trilogy. When I look at it, it's like you know, you, it's a good journey to go along. I, I think it's it's a fun movie, and it you know, it doesn't necessarily you don't need to know everything that happened, but it's you know, in the third or in the first two to get the third one or whatever. But like, I just think it's a real fun trilogy on its own. Yeah, Spoiler. the new one is definitely standalone. I think it's going to be very important moving forward. Like when the Avengers comes around, I think we're re- if you want to know who Kang is, um, you'll have to see Quantum Mania. I think he's real. He's really the focus, and you know Scott's reacting to yeah. him. Uh, but it's it's interesting how much setup he had because I went to see it with uh, with my girlfriend and. Uh, there, there is a teaser. There's no spoilers. There's a teaser that just shows uh, Jonathan Major for a second, and before the title, and she was like, "Who's that?" I was like, "The guy in the last episode of Loki." And she went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so he, they're doing a great job of building him up to be the next Thanos. Oh yeah, Probably yeah, the good. great jump off point for the next phase. This is a great way to start. Well, I mean, you could have said Loki was probably it, you know, because Loki 
Well, it's about he who remains is what they're called. Yes. I, I, I love that bit in, um, well, if you go online, you will find uh, uh, Jonathan Majors and Paul Rudd do the wired asks, the most commonly asked Google questions, and mm -hmm. they do the bit. And one of them is, um, what? who is Jonathan Majors Loki? And they're like, what? And then, you know, and Jonathan Majors is having fun with the phrasing of the question, but then he goes, oh, they're referring to he who remains at the end, the last episode of Loki, mm -hmm. uh, which we knew then. I'm like, oh, wait, that's that's going to be Kang. He and, drops the word conqueror. Right. Yeah. Jonathan so, Majors is another quirky guy. I uh, recommend you go back to Peacock and watch the SNL he hosted last year. Uh, and uh, I, the guy, I'm telling you, he's hot. He's going to be in Creed 3. He just did Devotion. Um, he's of course going to be having a run in the MCU. Dude was on the wire for how long? He was, um, I don't remember the wire. So I would say, uh, good, good, good for him that he's getting this, um, this recognition and everyone wants, oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, the HBO show, the Lovecraft, Lovecraft, Lovecraft country. That's where a lot of people will know him from. So uh, it's I I think it's great you know he's out there the guys showing up at the the NBA uh, slam dunk contest the three point contest on on court side doing that sort of thing you got to ride that you got to ride that lightning while it while it'll take you take that heat keep it going as far as you can go because you don't know how long it's gonna last and then then they drop you all right speaking of dropping <laughs> before I drop any of y'all alley. <laughs> Final thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Let's start with you, Dave Pino. Um, I think I, I said everything I wanted to really say about this movie earlier. It's it's a fun movie. It's a nice uh, palate cleanser following Infinity War. Um, it, it's you know it it's carried by the strength of of Paul Rudd, his likability, his uh, his uh, comedic chops. Um, again, not the super high stakes movie like, you know, uh, like Infinity War, Endgame, or even, you know, Multiverse of Madness, to use a, a little more recent example. But uh, I also don't think they all have to be. I think you can have these little fun, uh, you know, sub two hour movies once in a while that, that have a little smaller scope and they can be just as enjoyable as the big three hour epic. So uh, I'm a fan of this one. Tom. Um, I think that there's, there's a lot of pieces of this movie that I really like. Like I, I kind of referenced it earlier. I, I love how inventive they get with the action and, you know, the, the size changing thing is a power that, that wouldn't necessarily work for an individual action. So you get, like he shrinks, he gets bigger and he gets smaller. Like, how do you make that into an action or how do you make that into a fight scene? And they managed to do it a lot. They do a great job with, with wasp, with the wasp powers and things like that. Um, and in terms of making a fight scene with a character who, who phase shifts like ghost, um, that's, they did a good job. They did a good, they did a great job of that. Uh, I wish it held together plot wise a little bit more, but I think once I kind of let go of the reins a little and just kind of let it take me where it wanted to go, like that, I was able to enjoy it and have more fun. So you have to kind of shut off a certain part of your brain or rephrase the way you're looking at it and just kind of enjoy the angel. We didn't even talk really about Michael Douglas, who's again, great in this movie, just like he was in the first movie. Yeah. Um, in terms of being just 
cantankerous and Michael Douglasy throughout the whole movie. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that about sums it up. Mike. Well, I would say if you like action movies, you'll like this movie. If you like comedies, you'll like this movie. If you like comic book movies, you'll like this movie. If you like Paul Rudd, you'll love this movie. Uh, there's just, it's just a great time, you know, I, and, and, and I feel like that, and again, this has been said a couple times tonight, but sometimes movies have to be this thing that makes everything else better when I would just look at this movie as just, man, I had a great time watching it. And and if, if you just, you have, you have uh, two hours and you need to kill something, you know, two hours you need to kill and you just want to do something fun, this is a great movie. Just, I, I absolutely love, I, I, I do love it. So there you go. And John. Um Movies that are fun do make everything better, Mike. <laughs> That's <laughs> the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so you sit for two hours and live somebody else's life for a change. And now they got big, comfortable seats. Uh, <laughs> th- yeah, this movie is enjoyable. It is very light, which is fun, but I find it so light that it's not a movie I go back to over and over again. Um, whereas something like um, Ragnarok is light, and I've probably seen it much, much more than this movie. But it is enjoyable, and um, there's a lot to be said for how likable Paul Rudd is. I, I think this is the year where he was the sexiest man alive and um, really carried it off. And now, and for Quantum Mania, he was just on Colbert, and he was showing that both he and Jonathan Majors were in men's health. And Jonathan Majors is jacked, as you said. He's in, He's in uh, Creed 3. He's like jacked by the pool standing like this. And he's like, and here's me. And he's like in a black t-shirt just smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, About a year ago when people were, uh, when people were like, oh, every celebrity is going to get canceled. Every celebrity is awful. Somebody asked, he's like, he's like, is there any celebrity that everybody likes? And I answered Paul Rudd. And it was the most likes I ever got on Twitter. (laughs) You know, uh, Paul Rudd is just a very, very enjoyable person. Mm-hmm. And this is an enjoyable movie because of that. But also, you're right. Uh, everyone's enjoyable in it. Uh, you know, Evangeline Lilly is fun. Michael Douglas is one of his more entertaining performances. Michelle Pfeiffer is basically a cameo, but she really, she really puts her all into it. Um, I, and I love Walton Goggins in anything ever since Justified, uh, and he's having a ball. So yeah, totally worth a watch. Well, people love Paul Rudd for a lot of reasons. One, that he has no social media, so he knows not to say anything dumb uh, to get him in trouble. And he also has probably one of the best, one of the best, if not the best episode of Hot Ones uh, when, when they do the, the Hot Wings Challenge. I'm telling you, it's it's a great interview. It's a great, although I think Paul Rudd cheats and that instead of doing chicken wings, he does uh, breaded cauliflower wings instead. Yeah, but of... it's not about the meat. <laughs> no, but the meat, the chicken wing holds on to more of that hot sauce than the breaded mm, cauliflower no, no. does. And I that's and I would say if you think that's the best hot ones, you really need to see the key and peel one because by the seventh hot sauce, they don't answer any more questions. They just <laughs> curse out the host. <laughs> well, I, uh, like and they do it together. Well, then there's well, of course, then there's the Idris Elba one where Idris is ready to challenge him to a fight. It's like, you want to fight? I will fight you right now. <laughs> My Apple TV for some reason kept remembering that I was watching Hot Ones, and it and you know it used to they don't do it anymore, but it used to show you like 
this big still image of the next episode and it was Jeff Goldblum eating a hot wing. <laughs> and I was like, I'm never watching that episode because the, that because it'll stay on my home screen all the time. <laughs> you don't want that. It's hot, it's hot, it's spicy, it's in my mouth. Oh, it's hot. It's, it's going down. It's, uh... you, you can't not watch that for half an hour. <laughs> That's the second week in a row you've done your Jeff Goldblum. I'm really working on it. <laughs> All right. It's workshopping. It could be another segment in the show. <laughs> 30 seconds. John, as Jeff Goldblum reviews the movie. You guys have seen the uh, uh, Conan O'Brien Celebrity Secrets with Bit with, yes. with Goldblum, right? Yeah. People oh, always come up and ask one. me, do you prefer Goldblum or Goldblum? And I always tell them the same thing. How dare you speak to me? <laughs> <laughs> there is a great Conan O'Brien needs a friend with Jeff Goldblum. And he's like, you are the most sensual man I've ever met. And he's like, oh, yes, it's a life. Huh? It's like it's an hour of Conan O'Brien being awed by the by Jeff Goldblum. I highly recommend it. Oh, and, and Jeff Goldblum is also, uh, Stephen Brown said he's the most gender fluid for Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> We should have brought all this up on the Ragnarok episode. <laughs> it should be uh, GFFJG. Okay, so GFF, <laughs> gender fluid for Jeff Goldblum. Okay, <laughs> we'll make little bracelets for that. <laughs> all right. Well, before we go, before we tease the next episode, why doesn't everyone tell us? Where can we, uh, Mike, tell us, how can we learn more about Mr. Wayne's Pop Culture Collectibles? Well, we have a website that is MrWayne'sPCC.com, and all our socials are at Mr. Wayne's PCC for Pop Culture Collectibles. And, of course, you happen to be around. We'd love to just have you come by the shop, and uh, we can talk a little MCU, talk a little whatever you want. Uh, we're located at 10 West Burlington Avenue in Westmont, Illinois. Um, and, yeah, just uh, stop on by. We'd love to love to have you come by, talk a little MCU, talk a little Star Wars, talk a little DC. Tom, where can we you learn can, more about uh, your find the You can find the Pim Particle and all the Pim, all the cocktails on on the MCU review, and also uh, all the pop cocktails that will be on Top Men, the Indiana Jones podcast, um, at Revu Cocktails on the Instagram app. Dave? I am on Instagram at Pinto underscore Noir. And why should we follow you? My uh, little four-legged goblin, my 11-year-old uh, Chihuahua mixed Dexter. Plenty of photos and, and uh, stories of him on there. And you can follow me at Not On My Book on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinatedcomics for all the news that's fit to geek. But either way, you can listen to this show next week.